Hello and welcome to Just Bricks. I'm your host, Josh Gallup, and alongside me is Harry Fitzgerald. This is brought to you by Kick It Forward and the Sporting News. Harry, huge week of basketball, and we've got a very special guest today, Liam Santa Maria, the head of the Next Stars program, uh, former uh, NBL and NBA journalist. Uh, he's joining, the pro- uh, joining our program to talk about oh. all the prospects that are in Australian basketball right now. And there are lots of them. <laughs> yeah, I noticed he didn't give me any kind of title, a basketball expert or um, what do you sporting want? Um, podcaster. What do you want? Um, big giant legend. Well done. <laughs> thanks. Uh, and also thanks for saying I look like Shadow Noel before the uh, podcast well, kicked off. Because, uh, no, I've got a bit of a goatee going. It's all I'm really capable of. It's an interesting placement. It's... um. Yeah, it's literally oh. just growing in the oh, goatee period. I didn't place it here. Yeah, that's right. God did. Yeah. Thanks, God. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start with the Australian contingent because it's been a standout this week. I own seven houses, but it's not fair. Other generations, they don't work bloody hard enough. Immigrants are scary. Boom is up. Dante Exum, he's uh, playing extremely well for Dallas right now. He's mm. had four starts. He's averaging 19 and a bit points per game. Over those four games, he today had 12 in a loss to Minnesota. Uh, this is all with Kyrie Irving out, and he's just feeding off uh, Luka Doncic so well. This is a guy that uh, was really high draft pick. I think he was fifth in his draft when he went to Utah. He was an amazing junior. He had some 30-point games. Under 19 Worlds, or... Yeah, under 19... Under, yeah, I think under 19 Worlds. Uh, the same year as Dario Saric, and these two guys were meant to be the big highly touted guys mm. and then went to the NBA every year was like maybe this is the year maybe this is the year that he won't have an injury bad run and stuff like that Dante yeah Dante mm. and then he had a terrible injury run especially with the Boomers um, and now he's gone to Europe come back and it seems to have found his, his shooting form he's found a spot alongside Luca. he's this defensive big guard and uh, as long as Kyrie Irving's out for a bit, maybe he'll even hold on to the spot even further. Are you excited? Did Dante go to Europe to play some basketball or have a nice holiday and refresh, reset? Let's go. I think a Europe holiday would do me pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> well, the schedule's a bit better if they're not playing yeah. Euroleague. But he was playing in good teams over there. Originally Barcelona, I believe he changed after that. But there was he was part of that scuffle you might have seen last year. Um, a French basketballer basically UFC um, powerbombed him or something, uh, not in my UFC knowledge. Um, it was there was a full melee that broke out in court in one of the finals games, and this guy, I think it was like Yulabale or something. Sure, he uh, body Ran slammed him. him. Body slammed him. Was body bizarre. Slammed. He like got from it. Anyway, he's back in the NBA now, and he's playing with Dallas. And big shout out to Dante Exum, who's had a really bizarre route. He he's been shooting so well. Even in today's game, he was four or five from the floor in about the first three quarters, not really missing. Shooting the three so well, hit so many in the twenty six points in the last game. I'd love to see because everyone I think was so highly. I was so excited about this guy when he was a junior. It's good to see that he's finally getting a bit of momentum and hopefully that continues on. It's not. He's not going to keep shooting like that. Well, at 28 years of age, uh, you'd expect a good five years. Don't, don't, no, 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 no. Uh, you'd expect a few good years ahead of him, wouldn't you? Yeah, that's right. He's still got a lot of basketball left and also it bodes well for next year for when the Boomers play uh, in the Olympics in Paris. Oh, are you going to go? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've got a couple... Um, couple sponsors couple trying to tickets. fly us over. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, no, nah, I'm not I at this can't stage. Wait. I, can't I would love wait. to go. It'd be a cool Olympics. Uh, the other one is Joe Ingles. Really found a spot in Orlando. He wasn't playing there for a little bit, and now he's just playing around sort of 17 to 25 minutes a game. He's the veteran team. He's about 36 now. Oh, I'll just double-check that. I think he's 34 or 36. Anyway, um, Joe Ingles. Just, we'll, just, we'll double-check, Harry. Mm, I'm the age guy around here. 36. So, yeah, oh, yeah. Don't I didn't, doubt I didn't yourself. question it. Yeah. Uh, he had 12 points per day, and, he, and today, and like the start of his career, he just comes in and plays whatever role is required. It must be pretty good that 
you know you're a good guy when you keep getting jobs based on your how much of a good bloke you are. Million dollar jobs. You can play basketball too, but it helps, you know what I mean? Oh, but that, might, that must help a lot of Australians. It's great. Uh, speaking of very, very uh, liked players, there's a lot of Draymond Green, the Golden State Warriors, isn't liked so much right now. He um, He's hit Yusuf Nurkic in basically a roundhouse punch. Uh, but then he <laughs> said after the game, I didn't intend to hit him. Now, Harry, if you have a four-minute long highlight reel of your dirtiest plays that doesn't include the most recent one, do you have much of a leg to stand on? There's a there's so many ball kicks that at some point you're like, what do you mean you didn't intend? You've kicked every single continent's nuts. You know what's a dead giveaway? Don't worry about the highlights package. It's just the first photo on Google images of Draymond Green. <laughs> Guilty. <laughs> <laughs> so is he is he playing in he's not playing in the rule book, is he? No, no, but he um so he's been suspended indefinitely at this stage. Now there's a joke going around that he's trying to take out all the Europeans. So he takes out Nurkic. He mm. he stood over Sabonis, a Lithuanian dude. The other week, the, the all-star as well. Um, but he's also had a lot of history. That, uh, the <laughs> the Steve Adams one where he lifted his knee basically needs Steve Adams in the nuts. Now, one would assume um, Steve Adams is a pretty pretty fortunate guy in that department. So he would have taken a, the biggest <laughs> knee, but <laughs> he sent <laughs> him to the ground. And that balls. was early on. And <laughs> the stuff he used to do to LeBron so as well. So is this guy, is he... Doing it uh, when the umpires aren't looking? No, he just plays on the edge constantly. And the problem is now I think his body's going a bit. He's not as athletic as he used to be. So this is becoming more frequent because he's he's frustrated probably. And his team's doing poorly now and they've always been winning championships. For a non-contact sport, basketball is pretty aggressive. A lot of contact, yeah. Yeah, yeah, a lot of contact, seriously. It's like netball too, hey? Oh my God, don't. Don't get me started (laughs) on social mix netball. I won't get you started. But like, you know, amateur sports, when there are no cameras around, picking that stuff up off the play or when the umpires aren't looking, that's when it's a serious problem. I remember getting just punched for no reason, 100 metres off the ball in footy. Yeah, yeah, well, that's right. Yeah, well, what are you doing, mate? Uh, You wanted to, you, you know, it's almost Christmas. Oh, what a time of year. Magical time of year, in fact. You were talking about this, how you found it weird that uh, the NBA plays games on Christmas. Yeah, I kind of seem to forget that each year, then, then I'm reminded when I see some fixtures. Uh, I think it's for the players, not that not that good. You want to just enjoy your Christmas. You might be you might be away from your home or... Well, they normally um, only have a couple fixtures, but the, those are like, but they're often the better teams because they, want, mm, they want to sort of... The NFL has Thanksgiving pretty much wrapped up, so they want to, you know, have something that separates them from... Uh, other sports and when people and they have a captive audience of of nba fans so from a spectator's point of view i like it is it is it usually a morning fixture uh before the christmas some, lunch there's starts f- there's five games oh so <laughs> five games. well that's a that's not the biggest day for the nba but the other thing is the nbl now has uh has uh christmas day games okay okay so you potentially could go watch the perth wildcats on christmas day yeah over in melbourne are they yeah, playing in Melbourne? If, if, no, I don't know, but they <laughs> might be away. You know? They might be away, but I mean, saying is that something you would do is go watch sport, live sport on a... Watching you know? live sport. It might, you know what? Once I have my five kids um, and beautiful partner, then maybe uh, maybe I will. You s- skipped a couple of steps there. <laughs> oh, yeah, talking to someone. <laughs> yeah, talking to yeah. <laughs> Shit, that's, that's a big one. Well, someone that does speak to people, you like that segue? Yeah, I do. Are you going to um, edit this or just keep, keep it rolling? I'll keep it rolling. Wow. Uh, is the NBL's next star's recruitment GM, Liam Santamaria. Now, he's been around the traps for a long time in basketball. He commentates the NBL. He's been a former uh, 
podcast is one of the very, very early on podcasts in NBA, NBL in Australia, probably about 10 years ago. And now he sort of runs all the recruitment. So Alexander Saar, the future number one draft pick potentially with the Perth Wildcats right now, but heading to the NBA mm-hmm. likely. He was brought over here because of the recruitment push from Liam Santa Maria and the NBL. Now for every player they get, there's 50 that they miss out on, but they're doing a really good thing of trying to highlight and expose the world to the NBL through these prospects they get over. Should we... Tim. I'm excited. Um, there's sort of no no one across Australian basketball that has a better grasp of probably the, the last 20 years than maybe last 40 years, especially because the the bookkeeping for, not the bookkeeping, the history books aren't so easily laid out like the NBA's is for the NBL. Um, and I just wanted to ask how you got to this point right now. Like you were a DP at one stage and you've mm-hmm. then found your way to stay in basketball the whole time. Yeah, man. I don't know about 40 years. I'm not quite as old as I look, but I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll run with, with, with the sort of general sentiment of, of all of that, which is nice. Uh, yeah, look, after I stopped playing, I actually stepped away from the game a little bit and, um, and, and got into to a kind of another realm. But then I circled back in. It was through my connection, my friendship with Tommy Greer, current CEO of, of the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix when he was playing with the Melbourne Tigers. And um, we were living together and uh, we kind of like got into the podcasting space and uh, we were making a podcast. We ramped up a website. I started writing for that and things have kind of been onwards and upwards from there from, um, you know, picking up by the, picked up by the NBL to write for them, a podcast for them, start calling games for them in the preseason, um, calling games for the radio. And then, then all of a sudden I was part of the, the NBL broadcast crew um of which you were uh, a colleague for a period of time a, a good time not a long time but <laughs> <laughs> uh, with your work out west and um so i've been doing that for five or six years and then yeah 18 months ago jeremy Lowliga, the commissioner of the nbl reached out and said hey could you could you work with me on the next stars program in, in bringing uh, nba prospects into the league I, I did say prior to this i was going to talk about the next stars straight away, but we'll just talk about the NBL season so far. What have you made of the season so far? Uh, it feels like it's as deep as ever, especially with the third import a couple of years ago brought in and also uh, the next stars, well, a really strong crop this year that are uh, impacting a lot of teams. Yeah, um, there's excitement around the league. I think that's the kind of the big takeaway for me. There was excitement leading into the start of the season uh, because of the talent on display and certainly, as you say, the NBA prospects. Uh, there was kind of international interest on the league, which I think is always kind of fun and 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 elevates the standard of play. Um, and then I think once the season has got cracking, there's been all kinds of excitement as well. I, I can remember being a part of NBA Twitter about five or six years ago, maybe even more. And, you know, like situations where like DeAndre Ayton, they were barricading him in, in the in the house to try to like work him in free agency. And people would met, say on Twitter things like, this league, man, shaking my head. Like there's, as in there's just like always something happening. It's been like eight hours since the last kind of, um, you know, big story in the NBA. That's the NBL this season. You know, with coaches being fired <laughs> mid-season and, you know, the imports being moved on and teams going on roller coaster rides of form and and all kinds of quotables that the media exposure and interest is ramped up to a whole nother level, the eyeballs on the broadcast. So it's cool. I mean, it's become a fun league to for players to play in, for people to be involved in, but also for fans to engage with on a week-to-week basis. I must admit the the access in that way 
seems to have opened up a fair bit. Like even with the sort of turmoil that's happening in Adelaide right now, for those that don't know, uh, CJ Bruton, an Australian basketball legend, their head coach was parted ways with the club. There was a, a very viral spraying from Mitch McCarron uh, dropping a very like the, I think the person working the sensor button was working extremely hard on that one because they I feel like they almost missed a couple even though it was clearly edited um, and they've also they've lost a, a lot of games so uh, normally we might not have seen that I feel like this year we've really gotten a box seat to see what's happening there what's been your take with Adelaide uh, especially with the way it played out with the coach uh, it was a shame, first and foremost. Like you and I both know CJ Bruton is a, a grade of the game in this country and he comes from a, a, a royal basketball family with his, with his dad, Cal Bruton. So both Hall of Famers and CJ is a six-time champion. So you want a guy like that to succeed because he's a great bloke as well. But the reality is it was the third year of a three-year deal. Hadn't made the playoffs during his tenure there in Adelaide and they weren't going well this season. So in that type of situation, I think there was a there was an expectation, a reality that he probably wasn't going to be the coach next season. So under those kind of circumstances, it doesn't shock me that ownership would kind of look to make a move mid-season. But man, it what did shock me was um, all the other sort of stuff that's been going on around that team with DJ Vasiljevic and you know the the comments about the schedule which he got slammed for, and then the viral video of Mitch McCarron and. So there's just been a lot going on with that team on and off the floor that they need to try to stabilize over this next month or so. And what about the teams that are rolling? It seems like Perth have sort of found their way, even though a jitter over the weekend. Melbourne United, the clear favorite. Sydney are sort of falling away despite two uh, back-to-back championships. Who's impressed you the most at the top of the table? Melbourne has. And, you know, like uh, people will roll their eyes because they know I'm from Melbourne, but, you know, like (laughs) they're the best team in the league. And when they flex their muscle, uh, nobody can go with them. That's just the reality of things in the league right now. Now, will that change over the next month? I hope so, because I hope we have someone that steps up and challenges them in a big way for the title. The Jack Jumpers probably present as the best um, possibility to be that team. They have beaten Melbourne in Melbourne this season. And, you know, we know they've been good and, and in that finals mix these last couple of years since they came into the league. So for me, it's Melbourne. Then there's a bit of gap and then there's Tassie and then there's a bit of gap and there's basically the rest of the league right now. Right. So Tassie, the main contender. So it'd be good to say if they got their first championship. Um, You were talking about the way the NBL has been received. And so is part of your role and part of the NBL's role and maybe the success is the perception's been changed internationally because it's always had good players, but now it feels like the guys like Luke Travers are getting the look in the NBA that they potentially might not have previously. So is it was it more about changing the perception internationally and part of that being the Next Stars program? Yeah, I think that's a big reason why the Next Stars program exists is to try to create international interest in the league, for sure. Because, you know, as a league... I think one of the things that we want to do is like tap into um, the commercial opportunities that exist around the globe, right? This is such a competitive sporting landscape here in Australia. And you've got some behemoths in play in Aussie rules football and rugby and and the like. So you, your growth and our growth in, in Australia has been terrific over these last few years, especially trying, starting to try to own this summer space. 
But where there's really great opportunities is overseas because basketball is such a global game. So the interest in Asia, the interest in North America, selling the broadcast rights into those types of spaces. So to do that, you've got to say, well, what is it that could potentially make us interesting? And one of the things that that can do that is developing elite NBA talent. You know, it's kind of like, you know, when you when you like knew the band before they were cool. Right. Like everybody likes to watch prospects and see them build up to become stars of the NBA. So LaMelo Ball, Josh Giddy, we've seen some of those guys come through. We got a guy in the league right now who is in the conversation to be the number one pick overall in next year's NBA draft. That's really cool to have as part of our league. So yeah, the Next Stars program plays a big role in doing that. And, you know, I'm hoping to kind of help in continuing to build that uh, from now into the future. That's the weird thing I think in Perth right now is that we have this number one draft pick wandering around like sleepy Perth. And I love Perth, uh, Liam, but I think it's sometimes lost that how good this guy is. Yep. Now, he's playing 18 minutes per game. We'll get to the next stars. We'll start with the next stars now. Um, Alexander Saar, 9.8 uh, points, 4.7 rebounds, 1.1 blocks per game. That's fifth in the league. And that's only in 19 minutes per game. Is he, is he on a minutes restriction? Uh, is this enough to show... NBA teams, what he can do when you compare it to, um, I don't know, Shangun, what he did in Turkey prior to going to the NBA, or or Wembenyama in the in the uh, French Pro League. What how how is that comparable to what what we're seeing from him at Perth? Yeah, he's not on a minutes restriction. He's on, on a John Riley restriction, um, <laughs> which is just kind of the reality of of things sometimes for younger players. Um, yeah, he's playing behind Keanu Pinder, who is not the same type of NBA prospect in any way, shape or form, but, you know, he's a big, strong grown man who's an elite player in our league uh, because, you know, of, of what he's developed into. So that's, that's the reality for Alex Saar. He is playing enough though, to show uh, the type of upside that he has. And as you know, the NBA draft is so much about upside and potential seven, one, seven, five wingspan. So versatile can, you know, projects to be a, a, a real impact defender at the NBA level can step switch out, slide his feet, stay in front of the ball, which he's showing in his minutes, um, but can, you know, is an elite rim protector as well. And then has a versatile offensive package, you know, can put it on the deck and make plays in transition, can catch and shoot the three ball. Uh, and he's obviously a vertical lob thread and, and guys like throwing it up to him because he can throw it down. So, but you put all that together and he's the type of guy that should and deserves to be in that conversation to be the number one pick. How much of your role is dictated from a success standpoint on these guys getting picked up in the NBA? Heaps. I mean, it's like a player. You got to play well to, to stay in the league or to go to, to build your role. Like it's like a coach, like you got to win, right? Like, GMs of any description when you're in player evaluation and recruitment, like you got to get the right guys who do well. So it's really important. And when we're trying to kind of talk to the next batch of players, the, the history of player development and success that exists within the program is really important. So, you know, it was helpful for Josh Kitty to see that LaMelo Ball had been successful through this pathway. It was helpful for guys following those guys to see what they'd done and I think it's helpful for this next class of guys that we're talking to to see what's happening with Alexander Saar and Bobby Clintman and Alex Tui and all these type of guys around the league right now now we'll get to those players in a second I just wanted to ask you quickly 
when you go from being a journalist or even just a basketball enthusiast who's researching these players, just a lot of the time, just you know, at 10 p.m. when you when you're down a you know a YouTube rabbit hole, how much of that translates then to you know, all right, well, I I follow all these players, I kind of know what makes a good prospect, I, I follow basketball enough to then you know effectively become a GM for every team. Yeah. Um, I- the, the way I kind of look at it is I'm kind of like an, an assistant GM for every team, right? Like every team has their yep. key decision makers building their roster and I'm sort of putting my hand up say, hey, I can help. I can help you to find a player that can can help your team moving forward and help your organization. So let's work together. Um, yeah, man. I mean, everybody loves those kind of like late night YouTube rabbit holes and uh, and everybody loves kind of player being a player evaluation, you know, like certainly people that I mix with. Um, in terms of junior basketball and watching young players or, or your son or your daughter or your niece and being like, oh, man, I wonder what they can become over the next few years. And then watching kind of like college basketball over the years and being like, okay, man, he's a great collegiate. I wonder what he's going to be like as an NBA player and whether his skill set kind of um, uh, translates across. So, yeah, I think we've kind of all done that in an ad hoc kind of way over over our time in basketball. And now what's fun for me is I get to do it on the day-to-day uh, in a really meaningful way in an, in, an, in an attempt to help our league and our clubs. Uh, how much, how hard is your role and the league's role in managing expectation between the player and what he wants to get out of the season and also the team as well? Because there, you have a real, uh, there's a real range of uh, results from the players this year, some absolute studs, and even Alex Tui from Sydney, who we'll speak about in a second, um, the Kings have probably, or fans have probably been surprised at how successful he's been in multiple sort of different roles in a changing role. How how is it ongoing through the season? Do they talk to you? Do they talk to the league as players when they get frustrated or is it when the teams get frustrated? Like how how hard is that for you? Um, I wouldn't say it's hard. It's part and parcel of the job and I embrace it because one of the things I think that's important in my role is to develop really good relationships. So I, you know, really good relationships with agents, with the players and their their families and the, and the people that are involved with them through the recruitment process and with the clubs as well. You know, I'm going to work hand in hand with, with those guys, with Danny Mills and John Riley in Perth and with Matt Campbell and his coaches in Illawarra and all, all the clubs that have different next stars in place. And I'm going to serve as a bit of a support system throughout that period of time, for sure. Me and 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 um, Jeremy Lowliga, Vince Crivelli, who's working with us in the next stars space now as, as well. So um, it's part and parcel of it, for sure. And um, I think the key is trying to find great situations for both player and club from the outset. And that's hard because these guys are young players just oozing with potential and our teams are trying to win games and win championships. So it's about trying to thread the eye of the needle of bringing in an Alexander Saar or a Bobby Clintman or an Alex Tui or what I think over the next couple of months is going to be the case with Trenton Flowers and AJ Johnson of guys that have that right level of talent but can also get out there on the floor, play minutes and help the team win games. And when you can get both of those things happening at the same time, then you get good results in the next star space. All right. We'll do a rapid fire through some of the guys this year. Um, we've already spoke about Alexander Saar. Bobby Clintman has probably surprised a lot of fans that weren't across this Swedish prospect. Um, he's so long. He's been, he's 
been sort of let off the leash at, at Cairns. Where do you see him, his ceiling, and where do you see him going potentially in the NBA? I think he's a lottery pick. You know, he's sitting kind of just outside that number in the in the late teens and the early 20s in a lot of NBA mock drafts right now. But, man, he's 6'10", and plays like a like like a two three, you know he's a three four projecting to the next level, um, but he can shoot the ball, he can make plays off the bounce, he he's got good athleticism, he's got a good feel for the game, and you know it's just kind of like about refining his skill set and 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 his his game. But I think you know he's the prototype moving forward in the NBA. The NBA game is so spread now in terms of the ability for guys to knock down shots. You need bigs who can shoot and you need bigs defensively who can move, help, but also recover out to the three-point line. And that's Bobby Clintman. So he's been great. Um, he had two years in the States after being in Sweden, one at Sunrise Christian Academy and then one at Wake Forest before coming here. So that helped him for sure. Get ready to play in the NBL. And he's playing in the factory there in far North Queensland with Adam Ford, who loves to tap into exciting young talent. So it's a great situation and, you know, he's having a really successful year. Uh, Alex Tui, he turned down to Gonzaga and ends up in Sydney. For those that saw him playing as a junior, he was a sort of one-man wrecking ball with Canberra, always carrying the teams at the national championships mm-hmm. and then was so dominant at the NBL one level. Uh, he seems so comfortable uh, playing at the Met at the NBL level, he's had some crazy highlights, and his shooting's improving um, in consistency. What have you made of him, and what's been the reaction from scouts to you about Alex Tui? They love um, his high IQ on the floor, and look, there's a space for guys in the NBA who are six nine and can knock down shots and play with a high level of basketball IQ. Absolutely. Teams want to have those kind of guys on their roster. So they've been really impressed with what he's brought to the table. In fact, like he started every game for the two-time defending champs as a 19-year-old. Really, really really impressive. Now, part of that is some other guys have been injured. DJ Hogue missed some time. Jalen Galloway missed some time. But, you know, an elite young Aussie prospect, it's really important to me in the league that we have guys like that in the next stars program. So really cool that, you know, he eventually kind of felt like this was a great pathway for him. And the reality is, you know, he's in the conversation to be a first round draft pick right now as a result of all that, which is a huge credit to him and the Kings. Um, but, but also just kind of goes to show what type of opportunities this pathway can present for young, exciting talent, both here and abroad. Yeah. That's all I was thinking. Um, Ben Henschel might get that this year, but he hasn't seen the minutes. Is there's the sort of Koulibaly effect? Is when you're playing with Wembenyama every single game, scouts start seeing the other guys in the mm-hmm. team, and I think I think he'll probably benefit a lot from that. A guy like Alex Tui, when there's all these guys going to games, not that he wasn't a prospect anyway, um, but you're just getting more chances to show what you can do. Uh, Rocco Zakarski, I saw him against Saar in person, and he held his own. But he's so much younger than he's still so young, but uh, he's not your your typical sort of still finding his feet seven footer at that age. He, he seems so much more polished. Um, what's been the feel from international scouts and things like that about this young guy playing in Brisbane? Yeah, well, they're excited for him. They know that he's next year's draft class, right? So he's a 2025 guy, not eligible for 2024 because of, because of his age. Um, and who knows? Like there's no need for him to be in any kind of rush. Now the expectation is going to be a first round pick in 2025. But he could, he could take his time. 
you know, because big guys oft sometimes do take a, a a little while to fully kind of tap into their potential and find out exactly who they are. So we'll see how that goes for him. Um, man, like he's seven foot three, can move, can and the thing I love most about Rocco and why I really, you know, wanted to bring him into the program and believe in his talent is he is a competitive beast. Like he's got some young Andrew Bogut, some kind of like young Chris Anstey about him where he's not going to back away from anybody or anything. So that bodes well. And he's going to have an enormous season for Brisbane next year. Uh, what are your targets for next year? Allowed to sort of reveal any or is it non-stop for you watching who you're sort of eyeing and potentially talking with because i assume for every conversation that makes it over the line you know there's 20 that don't yeah for sure um so it's an ongoing process lots of conversations uh, taking place at all times with with people players families agents around the world um we've got a head start on next year's class because rocco is going to be with us you know, a first round prospect. So that creates already a high level of interest in the program. There's a little bit of a wait and see on some of our guys in terms of whether they declare and stay in this year's draft. Um, and if not, are they going to be back in the program? So Alex Tui, AJ Johnson, Trenton Flowers, a little bit of a wait and see with those guys on how the rest of the season plays out. And, uh, and then obviously we're talking to a lot of different guys. Obviously the success of all the guys that have come through the program in previous years, but particularly Alexander and Bobby and these type of guys this year has created a high level of interest in the pathway. And sort of we're going through, you know, those prospects right now and seeing who might work for the, for the, for the league next season. He escapes me his name right now, but there was that Queenslander who's, he's the really strong, uh, I think he's about 17, 16 right now, around the same as Rocco in his national team. Uh, you, you don't know his name off the top of your yeah, head, Yeah, Ro- Roman Silepa. Roman Silepa. Um, surely he's someone that the league's interested in. Tracking him closely. Have been for, for a couple of years now. <laughs> yeah. Um, because, okay. yeah, I mean, he's, you, people who have watched Roman play know, much, know how much of a beast he is. So it's been cool seeing him play in the NBL 1. Uh, last season and he's you know locked into play back with I think it's the Southwest Metro Pirates uh, again in in the NBL one North this season so that's been cool kind of seeing him go up against men in that next uh, tier down so yeah going to continue to kind of watch him closely over the next little while uh, Liam thank you so much for your time uh, get out and Go to NBL games and see these guys where you can. Alexander Saar, Bobby Clinton, they probably won't be in this league too long. So um, thanks so much for your time, Liam, and best of luck for all the recruiting. Awesome, man. Thanks very much.